Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Uh, we've, we've been in this series on the New Covenant, and I, I really wanted to address something that is very near and dear to me and I think really is important for us to understand. And I'm, gonna, I'm just calling it New, Testament, or New Covenant Living. Because I think the passage that we are dealing with this morning is just how to live, how, you know, how to live life, what, what we do on a daily basis, how, how do we live this thing that we call the Christian life. Well, you, you may or may not be aware of it, but we all carry something with us everywhere we go, and we express something to other people everywhere we go. When you walk into a room, I don't care if it's a church or at your office or into the kitchen, you bring a certain presence with you into the room. You might bring a critical spirit or you might bring complaining or self-pity. You might bring unbelief or fear. Or you can carry and express the very presence of God. A, a basic question of life, maybe one of the most, most basic questions of life, is what are you carrying and showing to others? At all times and in all places, with all people, something is being revealed through you. And Paul said about himself, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our mortal or our human body. You know, another verse that communicates what I, something of what I, what I want, what I really have on my heart to share with you this morning is 2 Corinthians 3.6. And it says that he or God made us competent or made us adequate as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And this verse is basically saying that God made us ministers of the Spirit. If you take, if you take out that little clause, not of the letter, it basically reads, He made us competent as ministers of a new covenant of the Spirit. God made us, the word ministry or ministers basically is serving. So, so God made us, He made you to serve people with the presence of his spirit. He made you ministers of his spirit and the spirit gives life. So we primarily don't have a, a letter to give people as Paul says. We don't have just words to give people. We have life to give people. Not our own of course. But we have the life of the spirit to serve other people with. We have the life of Jesus to bring into the room, so to speak. And you are to be a vessel through which the life of Jesus is seen, felt, and experienced by others. And I'm going to repeat that line a few times throughout the service this morning. I'm going to do it again so right now. You are to be a vessel through which the life of Jesus is seen, felt, and experienced by others. Your, your, your basic calling in life 
is to minister life. Okay, that's pretty simple. If you want to know, if you want to know what your mission, you forget what your purpose is all about, what you're really here for, it's this. Your calling in life is to minister life. Okay? Pretty, pretty straightforward, easy to remember. And so new covenant living, as we talk about living this new covenant under this incredible grace where our sins are totally forgiven, where Jesus Christ comes to live in, 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 inside of us, where we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We live in this incredible acceptance with God where He is our Heavenly Father. We are His adopted sons. We are His beloved children. In this incredible new covenant living, it is a process. It is carrying the life of Jesus inside you and ministering that life to others. But here is the paradox. We carry around both the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And Paul makes it clear in this verse, verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10, it is carrying the death of Jesus that allows the life of Jesus to flow out of you to those around you. Again, to just single out verse 10, we always carry around in our body. That means you always carry around inside of you. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, or some translations, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed or manifest. I love the word manifested. I don't, it seems like the new translations say revealed, but there's something I like about that, manifested. <laughs> it's, it's something that, that, that's manifested, that's, that gets to be seen. It's, it shines through. It's, it's revealed through our mortal body. So, I think that begs the next question, what does this phrase, the death of Jesus, mean? I mean, if we're supposed to carry around in our body the the death or the dying of Jesus, uh, so that the life of Jesus is manifest, what does this mean? Well, the, the death of Jesus clearly refers to his death on the cross. And the cross is a place of weakness. It's a place of humiliation, a place totally without human glory. It's a place of heartache. And pain. It's a place of rejection. It's a place of losing everything. So the death of Jesus speaks of his sufferings, his obedience to the point of death, his giving up of his life, his laying down of his life for you and for me. So for you to carry around in your body, the death of Jesus means that you carry around in your body this same Attitude, and I think this, the word attitude is such a weak expression for this, but I, I can't come up with a better one. It means you carry around in, this, in your body, in yourself, the same disposition, the same approach to living life. It is being willing to submit to the kind of self-death for Jesus' sake and others that Jesus exemplified at the cross. And that, that self-death, Paul says, is what sets the stage for the miracle of others seeing the life of Jesus in you. It's my observation that whenever anybody goes through something hard, it, in a sense, puts their life on display for others. Affliction, pressure, unfair treatment, 
in a sense, puts your life on display for other people to see something in you. Now, what they may see is a very sinful response. They could see just your self-pity, your anger, your bitterness. But if we choose, like Paul, to carry continually or always the death of Jesus in you and this disposition, this, this attitude, then afflictions, your afflictions, create the opportunity like nothing else for others, people, to see Jesus in you. And so Paul said, Paul said, we, we always carry about this dying of Jesus. This is, this is not something that you uh, decide, okay, uh, for, for this next 15 minutes, I'm going to die to myself. <laughs> or for this one day or for this one hour, I'm, I'm going to try to really be a big person here and uh, and lay it down and lay down my will for just for this next hour then it'll be my turn you know no paul says we always carry about in our body this dying of jesus in another place he said i die daily uh, verse 11 in the same chapter from our scripture reading this morning says we who are alive all right who's that well, it includes all of us we who are alive are always being given over, over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Okay, it sounds a lot like verse 10, right? It's, it's almost just like, a, like Paul's repeating himself to make sure that we get, we get it. But, but he, he, he again uh, adds this, or uses this word always in both verses. We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So, what, what that tells me, and I think that what, what that should tell us, is that we are in a daily process of embracing pressures, pain, and problems, and the self-denial that goes along with that, so that others will see Jesus in us. And this carrying around the death of Jesus that, that Paul is talking about here in this is it, it, it is not just a, 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 um, a positional truth, if some of you will know what I mean by that. It, it is not just a doctrinal truth. It is something that you experience daily. And I think the passage clearly communicates that in the context, which we're going to get to. But in other words, you feel it. I mean, this will affect your life. Carry, if you choose, like Paul, to carry around in your body the dying of Jesus, um, you, you do feel it. I mean, you actually feel at times like you're dying. Uh, you don't have to be nailed to a cross, but it does feel like that at times. I went through something a few years ago, uh, which was very hard, and, and during the experience, I, I told Cindy, and I, I, will, I will say I did say it with a sense of humor, okay? But I told, but I also said it with a sense that I really, I really felt this. Uh, I told Cindy, I feel like, I feel like that is the last nail being driven in my last hand that will finally finish my crucifixion. You know, and again, I, I, I said it with a smile, but, but I pretty much felt that way too. I mean, there are things in life that, that bring us to that sort of sense of dying. 
someone who used to be a close friend of yours says some things about you that put you in a really bad light or slander you, and it hurts. But instead of retaliating, you choose to carry around in your body the dying of Jesus, and you entrust yourself to him, and you respond with his life. All true living for Jesus Christ, and I I, I really mean this, all true living for Jesus Christ will involve a kind of dying. That's not all there is to life. I I want to communicate that. I love what Jason shared this morning. And there's much much that God just gives us that is just plain, flat out, blessing, favor, goodness, laughter, smiles, you know, praises, all of that. But all true living for Jesus will involve a kind of dying as a part of life. Ministry to your children to those in the church, to those outside the church, loving people where you work, loving your wife, your husband, or your neighbors, all of that will involve some cost, some emotional pain, some weariness, some loss, some disappointment, some pressure, some death to your own self-will, some death to your own responses. In other words, it will involve choosing to carry about in you the death of Jesus. And Paul makes it clear that really it's it's only as death works that life works or only as far as death works in you can life work through you. Life in others, in other in other words for other people to see, feel and experience the life of Jesus in you comes at a price to you. It comes at the price of death to yourself, uh, in some manner, to your own uh, self-interest, your own self-will, your your own self-responses. I, I love what uh, Watchman Nee said. Um, he said, ministry is not so much a matter of words and of works, but of what you have been through. That is so true. He said, first comes trouble, then desperation, then ministry. Uh, so in ministry, there, there is sort of a painful process in order to manifest the life of Jesus to others. But that, that is such a glorious thing. We'll see, we'll see in Paul such a willingness to embrace this um, process. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata said that artists use contrasting colors, light and darkness, to make an image stand out. And if you look at a painting, any of you that paint, like Elizabeth or Jenny, I mean, you, you know that you have you do something with colors. If you make, if everything's if everything's uh, orange on a canvas, you won't see anything. I mean, there's contrasts in order to see to see the painting and the beauty of it. And in a likewise, it is when you have sorrow that your joy really stands out. It is when you are under great stress that your peace and composure really shine and people marvel at the work of Jesus in you. It is when you're insulted or mistreated that your love and forbearance really look supernatural. It's when something terribly disappointing happens and you still show a sweet, patient spirit then is when, or that is when, others see Jesus in you. I also think it's very important 
to to see, to understand that this life of Jesus that Paul talks about being manifested in us, this life of Jesus is not just a figure of speech. There really is a life of Jesus in you. I mean, Paul described the gospel as the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when we talk about the life of Jesus being manifested in us, it is not just a figure of speech. It is not just a way of saying someone is really nice. There is a reality to Jesus Christ and his life being in you and the reality that it can be manifested through you. There is a reality of his spirit in us that is to be revealed, to be seen, felt, and experienced by others everywhere we go. And the presence or absence of this life is as noticeable as whether or not you get water when you turn on your faucet or not. I mean, it's that real. And I believe it is that noticeable. And I, I believe more and more, especially as you learn to walk in the Spirit, you learn to be filled with the Holy, the Holy Spirit, as you learn to know and understand this life of Jesus, you are particularly uh, aware. You have your senses trained that you can very quickly just aware, you're just aware whether this life is present or not. This life, this life of Jesus manifested or revealed, it is either a present reality in your home or it is not. It is a present reality in the church, your Bible study group, the worship team practice, when you talk on the phone, when you're at work, or it is not. And it is really a big difference. You know, there's lots of ways to evaluate uh, a Sunday morning. And, and I think we sometimes when you evaluate a Bible study or a life group or church on Sunday morning, I mean, we, we, you, you, I think it's easy to be overly self-critical because we are, we are just human. We'll, and we're going to get to that too in just a minute. But, you know, there's lots of ways you can evaluate. Was it too long for me? That's, that's a big one for me. You know, was it too long for me? Was there any misspelled words put up on the screen during the worship time? Was something blocking the screen so that I couldn't see the worship words that were up on the screen? Did other people reach out to me as much as I thought they should? Did the speaker entertain me? But the main thing that matters when we meet together, whether it's two or three gathered in Jesus' name, whether it's eight or ten at a small group, or whether it's a few more on a Sunday morning, the, 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 the main thing that matters when we meet together is simply was their life. Was the life of Jesus manifested? Was the Spirit ministered to people? Okay, Because that's what we're here for, to be ministers of the Spirit who gives life. Did the people encounter the life of God? That's, I mean, that, that's, I mean, these are the things that really matter. So, you know, as a practical application, when you're in a Bible study group, 
don't don't just don't talk about things that don't minister life. Don't just talk to talk. Your prayer should always be, let me minister life in this meeting. In this relationship with this person, with this in this phone conversation, when these people come over, when I'm over at their house, let Jesus be seen, experienced, and felt through me. All right, this pass. Normally, when I teach through a passage, I really like to start at the top and just work my way through. I d- I'm not doing that this morning because I want to point out, I want to focus on this thing the life that we are called to minister, this life of Jesus. But I want to go back to the, to the very first verse, verse in, this, in this passage. And this passage starts with a statement that we have this treasure in jars of clay. So, being people who are going to manifest Jesus to others does not mean that we are impressive people. In fact, quite the opposite. Clay jars were, were very common. They were ordinary. They're weak. They're easily broken. Yet, they were used to carry or to store important things like gold or silver or jewelry or important documents. And that's a picture of what we are as a Christian. That's a picture of your life. It's really, it's really a picture of new covenant life. You're the clay jar. Jesus in you through the light of the gospel is the treasure. The, he's the thing of value that you, that you carry around inside you. We are the clay pots. That is what you and I are. Not, nothing special in ourselves. So, so God's plan for you is not for people to look at you and see how impressive you are. Not for people to look at real life church and see how impressive we are, which I doubt would ever happen anyway. But God's plan is for people to look at you and say, this person is so ordinary, and yet I see something so remarkable in their life. They have all the same problems, but I see Jesus in the midst of their life. And here's another important lesson I think we have to take from this verse that is that very much communicates this idea of what new covenant life is all about. Personally, I, I know the jars of clay thing is really a famous, uh, it, you know, there's a group, music group called that. There, I mean, that's what everybody uses, jars of clay. But I grew up with the phrase uh, earthen vessels. But we are earthen vessels. And there's something I kind of like about that. We are earthen vessels, and you know, and we feel our earthenness. Uh, Christian living, new covenant living, does not mean that everything is going fantastic. It does not mean that you always feel fantastic. I mean, you may be going through some times where you feel quite pathetic or weak. We do feel the sting of criticism. We feel the disappointment of loss. At times, we may feel like we don't know how we can go on. We, at least I, I think everybody else does, I do, we feel emotions we don't want to feel. That's our earthenness. But that is not all we have, and that is not all we are. And one of the, one of the huge tricks of the devil is when you feel this earthenness, the, the sting, the hurt, the disappointment, the feelings that you don't want to feel, is to think that's all there is, And that's all we have. No. 
we have a treasure. We have the life of Jesus inside this earthen vessel that feels those things. We are jars of clay, but we have a treasure in us. We have the treasure of God dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. And the all-surpassing power is continually from him and not from us. And I'm going to quote Watchman Nee one more time. He said, he said, for Paul, the Christian life was a continual miracle, a paradox in which the divine life shone forth through his human body. The Christian life is a continual miracle. It's us in our, in our utter weakness and God in his utter power at work in us. And God designed it that way so that the surpassing greatness of the power would be seen to be from him and not from ourselves. So when people meet you, what do they see? I mean, when people meet you, what are they meeting? Well, they are meeting a human being with human weakness and human emotions, but they are also meeting or encountering the life of Jesus in you. They are meeting, they are meeting someone who contains the all-surpassing greatness of God's power himself. Now, verse 8, I think, also sheds a lot of light on this, this whole idea of carrying the death of Jesus and manifesting the life of Jesus. It says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, and, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And this verse, I, as I see it, is a description of how this death and life of Jesus works in us. And, and the reason I say that, again, just for, for those of you who kind of need the, the logic of the passage, and, I, and I'm one of those, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I identify with you on that. But um, when, when Paul said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, uh, the, the very next phrase is, is a description, is, is, he says, for, in a sense, I mean, he, the word for isn't there, but we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. So I think in, in this verse 8, he's giving us kind of a description of what this looks like. And, he, and he, he's saying, this, he says, uh, this is what, it, what life is really all alike. This is what the experience of life is, is all about. Um, and he puts it in terms of the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus. We carry about in our body the death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested. So this is versus a description of how this death and life of Jesus works in us. And I would say, if you're a Christian, you know, if, God, if God's Spirit has come into your life, if you're born again, you have you have a desire to, to please God and to serve Jesus. And so we all want the power of God, and we all want the life. Of Jesus to be manifested in us. But we want it to come out of a calm, trouble free life. And Paul is saying it doesn't work that way. It works when you're hard pressed, troubled on every side. It works 
when you feel persecuted. It works when you feel struck down. This, this is how this process works. All right, so I want to spend just a bit on this verse. To be afflicted on every side, or some versions say to be troubled on every side, or hard-pressed on every side. You, you can have your pick of those phrases. They all, they all kind of mean the same thing. But to be afflicted or hard-pressed on every side just, just means that all kinds of problems and troubles are coming at you. There are some translations, that, uh, more modern translations, that say we are squeezed. And I, I, I actually believe this is kind of a literal translation of this. Instead of we are pressed on every side, it means we are squeezed on every side. You lock your keys out of your car and don't know how to get to that thing that you're supposed to urgently be at. Uh, your property taxes go up. You can't sleep all night. Kids keep you awake. Uh, you burn the supper. Uh, the kids all have the flu. Or you are beaten and thrown in prison like Paul. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying that a little bit facetiously because we, we regard these other things as such serious troubles and afflictions. But and I actually think Paul was talking about little bigger things. But still, it all applies. You follow? Afflicted on every side. The second one is being perplexed. Uh, Being perplexed means that you can't see a way out. You don't know which way to turn. You're at your wit's end. And you you don't understand what God is doing. You don't understand what's going on. You're perplexed. To be persecuted means people are out to harm you. It includes everything from being excluded from a conversation to being insulted or mocked to losing your home or your life. To be struck down or to be knocked down uh, refers to like sudden catastrophes or, or things that just make you feel like a punch in the gut, things that shatter your life, a severe accident, getting fired from your job, being deserted by a lifelong friend, or again, perhaps being stoned like Paul. You know, maybe that's what he was thinking of. You know, I, w- I was knocked down, but not knocked out. And this verse is immediately followed by the statement which I, which I mentioned earlier. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So Paul is describing the, the, the constant experience of being hard-pressed, being perplexed, being persecuted, persecuted, being struck down. And he calls it always carrying about in our body the dying of Jesus. But we might ask, well, where, where is the life of Jesus? I mean, where is the power of God? Well, I believe it's right here in the same verse. On the one hand, we are hard-pressed on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are struck down. But on the other hand, or at the same time, we are not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not abandoned. We are not destroyed. We're not overwhelmed. We're not depressed. We're not wiped out. We haven't given up. That is the life of Jesus. So, how is the life of Jesus revealed through you? Well, people see Jesus in you when you have troubles all around you, but you are not crushed by them. They see that you're under tremendous pressure, but they see something within you 
that keeps sustaining you in your trouble. They see a power at work greater than the problem, enabling you to go on, even to rejoice. That is the life of Jesus. You are squeezed, but not crushed. We don't deny being squeezed, ever. But through the power of God, through the life of Jesus in us, we are not crushed. When people see in you the peace of Christ, when they see your obedience through very hard things, when people see his joy, his love, his compassion in you, in your daily life, then Jesus is being revealed in you. People see Jesus in you when you are perplexed and confused about what to do, but yet you are not in despair about your life or future. When you can see no way out and others can see no way out for you, but you still trust your heavenly father, that is when they are seeing Jesus in you. People see Jesus in you when you are persecuted, but you don't internalize that and consider yourself abandoned or forsaken. You may have people who have hurt you or people who are presently trying to hurt you, but you are not living as a forsaken, abandoned person. Why? Because... You have the very power and presence of God, the life of Jesus in you, and he will never, ever leave you or ever forsake you. So, therefore, you are not thinking like an abandoned person. You are not talking like an abandoned person. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 16, uh, which at the beginning of the verse, it might see, sound like he's talking like an abandoned person. He says, at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. But just when you think Paul is going to engage in self-pity about that, he says, may it not be charged against them. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. In other words, I wasn't abandoned. The Lord was with me. You may be mistreated, but you are not abandoned. And when people see you be deserted or mistreated, maybe even very severely, but you respond with this with this sense of, of confidence, this sense of, of, of disposition, of attitude, of heart, that I am not abandoned. That is the power of Jesus in you. Because that's the presence of Jesus in you. You know, I, I have an Uncle Merwin. I haven't used him for an example for a little bit, so I'll, I'll pull him out and use him again this morning. He used to live by his, himself out on a farm out on Highway 92 between Martinsdale and Indianola. And, I mean, he was a, very much a people person. Uh, but he lived out there totally by himself. He was never married, never had any kids. And just was out there a lot by himself. And I, I can't count the number of times people would say, don't you ever get lonely out there? And his response was, how could I ever be lonely? I have Jesus Christ with me always, and he will never forsake me. I mean, he, that, the reality of that friendship was so real that he never felt like an abandoned, lonely person. Martin Luther wrote a hymn called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he wrote that, that, that hymn when he was hated and hunted down by the Pope. 
But instead of seeing himself as an abandoned person, he saw himself inside a mighty fortress, which was God himself. People see Jesus in you when you are struck down, but not destroyed by it. One of my favorite verses, well, particularly in, in, in the book of Micah, but one of my favorite verses that's quoted in Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress is Micah 7, 8. And the prophet Micah said, Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy, for though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. See, when you view your low points in this way, Jesus is manifested in your life. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I am struck down, but not destroyed by it. All right, some things to consider, or just some other things that uh, I think are important to think about from this passage. Uh, manifesting the life of Jesus, at least as I understand it, or as I see it, is not, or at least as I, as I would experientially evaluate this, okay? Uh, manifesting the life of Jesus is not automatic. I mean, quite frankly, and we would maybe have to admit that we ourselves have been in this, in this position uh, at, at times, or at least for periods of time, but some people are hard-pressed, and they are crushed. They don't know what to do, and they are in despair. They are per- persecuted, and they view themselves as abandoned. They are struck down, and they do it. They, they do, in some sense, or they are, in some sense, destroyed or dev- totally devastated. And so, this passage almost forces us to ask: uh, What can one Christian go through, or why can one Christian go through something very hard and live? And live continually in the pain and hurt and woundedness of that condition. And another go through something pretty similar, similarly, comparably hard. (laughs) And they are manifesting the life of Jesus to others through it. And are suffering, but yet they seem glad to do it. And I, I don't say this in any way to condemn. I ask it about myself. Why, you know, why, do, why at, at times am I, am I uh, more, more defeated by things? And why, why at more times do I see the life of Jesus? Well, I, I think at least part of the answer to that is that a person may not know that this is the way God works. And as we've talked this morning, life comes through death. The power of God shows up in our weakness. And so I think we have to begin to tell ourselves the truth. I am not overcome by the things that trouble me because I have the power of God in me to sustain me through it all. And God, God has chosen that I be an earthen vessel, that I be something weak so that his power would always be the greater thing in me and that others see in me. I am not overcome by my sufferings because I see that life is flowing out from me to people that I love or people that I want to reach or people that I want to be a blessing to. 
it does involve a new way of thinking. It's not automatic. It does involve a new way of thinking. Wives, let's just try to bring this down real practical for us. Wives, perhaps your husband leaves to meet a friend for coffee and you have the kids and the diapers and the dishes to do and you've had them all day. And you have certain feelings. Or husbands, perhaps you just got home from a very taxing day at work and your wife immediately asks you to vacuum the house, clean up the garage, and watch the kids while she runs to the mall. So what is, what is the reaction? I mean, is, is it self-pity? Oh my, I have it so hard. I never get a fair shake. No. You say... This is part of this amazing process where my dying to self leads to the life of Jesus being manifested in me. This is how the life of Jesus comes to shine through my human body. And because that is what you want more than anything else in life, like Paul you embrace this process. Okay? Because you want the life of Jesus to be revealed and seen in you more than anything else in life, you embrace this process. In other words, if, if the cry of your life, if the cry of your heart is, may Jesus be seen in me, then you're going to see things that, re, that require you to deny yourself in a whole different light. We begin to see unfairness, or at least unfairness as we view it, or hardships or disappointment in a different life because somehow the life of Jesus is revealed through these things. Another reason that, that you may not, you or I, may not be manifesting the life of Jesus could be that your focus is on loving your own life. Uh, you know, when you, when you love your own life first and foremost, uh, that then anything that makes that life hard destroys you. I mean, for example, if, I mean, if your mindset is, I cannot live without people loving me or treating me well or appreciating me or without having things going well for me, then you will be devastated when life doesn't go well for you, when life doesn't go your way. And I think we have to get at some point to the point where, where, we, where we are in agreement with Paul that we are here to die daily. We're here to die with Jesus. We carry about the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be re- revealed for others to see. And I, I think we have to take a lesson from how utterly selfless Paul is here. I mean, it's like, yes, I have troubles on every side. Yes, I get knocked down. But I'm not bummed out because this is for you guys. I'm going through this. I deny myself in this situation so that life may be seen, felt, and experienced through me, for your sakes. All right, one more consideration. Uh, this passage is about suffering. It is about accepting, accepting a path of suffering. But I think it is a mistake to, to take this passage and to make it a glorification of suffering. It, the, the theme of this passage is not how wonderful suffering is. <laughs> 
It is about how wonderful and sufficient the life of Jesus is to shine through us in our sufferings. So to take this passage and and say, well, this is a call to suffer, like that was an end in itself, I I think is is to do it in an injustice. It 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 is not just a call to suffering. It is an explanation of how we become manifestors of the life of Jesus. I don't know if that word manifestors is a real word or not. It didn't, go, it didn't check through on my spell check, but it communicates to me. This passage is an explanation of how we become manifestors of the life of Jesus. The object of suffering is so that, you know, those, those are really important words in this passage, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested or revealed. The emphasis is on the life The emphasis is so that we carry and express and minister or serve other people with life. So very quickly, I'm just going to wrap up three applications, and I've really shared them throughout, but this is just to highlight them. One, consent to share in the dying of Jesus. Caring about the death of Jesus is an act of the will. You you consent to, to be weak or to maybe have your ego bruised or to look weak or pathetic. You choose to endure pressure or problems for Jesus' sake. There, there, there's a, there has to be a willingness to accept the cross in our lives. You know what Jesus said? Take up your cross daily and follow me. And there has to be a willingness to do that, to deny self. A willingness to endure things that cut across your will. A willingness to die to self-pity. A willingness to die to the demands of self in daily life so that the life of Jesus can flow out from us. Number two, uh, become more concerned that the life of Jesus be seen in you than that you are treated well or that everything is fair. Uh, You know, someone has said being right is highly overrated. Uh, You know, we're not called just to be right. Uh, We're called to manifest the life of Jesus. And if if we're always concerned that things are fair, this life of Jesus thing that we've been talking about this morning will not be working very well. So we need to become mostly concerned about Jesus being seen, felt, and experienced by others through our words, attitudes, and actions. And then third, uh, be willing to give up your demands of a trouble-free life. You know, most of our trouble is right here, or a lot of our trouble is right here. Um, we, we live, we may not even realize it, but we live with this kind of internal demand that everything must really be trouble-free for me. And we place all of our hopes on things finally going well. You know, someday my ship's going to come in. Someday this is all going to work out. Someday, finally, things are all going to be going right and going well. Uh, But our hope is not placed on everything finally going well. When we place our hopes in a trouble-free life, and then we find ourselves hard-pressed or maybe knocked down, What's going to happen? Well, our hopes have been destroyed. So we're going to get mad or angry. No. Our hope 
is Christ in us. Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. And our hope is that in all these things, Jesus will be glorified, magnified, manifested, revealed in us so that we may be givers of life to other people in our home, in the church, really everywhere we go, in every room that we walk into, in every encounter with other people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, just including this, this very profound truth, this very profound verse, the scripture, this very profound passage. We pray that you would, through your spirit, give us a great uh, understanding of it, that we would learn to, uh, to live this out like, like Paul certainly was. We thank you for your word, Lord, for the power of it to, to work in our lives. And we are totally trusting you to do that. We commend ourselves to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, remain seated for just another moment. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper here as we wrap up our service.